1: Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host, and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency Gorilla 76, where we help B2B manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. What does the word brand mean to you as a manufacturing leader? A logo and a tagline? A color palette and a collection of images or graphics that you use on your website and your sales decks and at your trade show booth? Or is brand something more than that? As a B2B manufacturer, why does this matter anyway? My guest today is a seasoned branding professional working inside of the manufacturing sector, and these are the types of questions he'll be answering. Let me introduce him. Paul Kishy is the president of Aviate Creative, a branding and creative agency with an edge in manufacturing. Paul is also the founder of Manufacturing Marketing Mastermind, volunteers for USA Manufacturing Hour, is an adjunct professor, speaker, and contributing author for a variety of manufacturing publications and podcasts. Paul, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, man, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, you bet. It's about time I've had you on this show. We've kind of known each other for a while and run in the same circles in in a lot of ways. We're both, you know, kind of branding, creative, marketing guys in the manufacturing sector, and have been for a long time. And have some pretty complementary uh, agency skill sets and specialties as we learned recently in a in a conversation. So it's Excellent. it's I'm looking forward to this conversation. I think we're we're talking about something here today that's really a passion for both of us. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But yeah, good to have you here.
2: Yeah, same. Thank you for having me. Uh no I'm excited. We've been talking for a long time and and recently been trying out some more partnership mindsets. So that's uh it's exciting.
1: Well Paul I think what we're going to get into here today is the idea of branding or just brand in general. And I think when people hear those words, brand, branding, their minds go straight to things like logo, tagline, color palette. And that's absolutely a piece of it, right? But from where you sit as a branding expert in the manufacturing sector, I'd like to hear in your words what brand means.
2: You know, I think that I used to always think that it was just like A logo and tagline. You know, as a as a young designer, I thought that. I've been in the branding space for a long time, and I even I've been teaching it for a long time as well. And over time, I've grown to appreciate that brand and branding is significantly more than that. Any brand manager would be probably offended (laughs) by saying that it's just the logo because they do so much more than that, right? The brand is almost another name for your company, right? It's like all-encompassing for your specific brand. And a company can have multiple brands, right? So you have one company might have six different products, and each one of those products could have their own individual brand. So brand doesn't have to be associated with a company, it could be associated with a product. But brand is everything from the way you position your company in the marketplace. It could be your the messaging and the voice of that company. It could be Even the way your product is, how you represent your product, how you design your product, all of that's brand. The attitude and the personality of the company is part of your brand. Things like, obviously, your logo, your fonts, your colors, those are like the more obvious stuff that you had mentioned earlier and then it goes deeper into your website your collateral even things like your truck wraps and your you know signage on your outside of your building all of that is part of your branding so branding is a little more specific than brand in the sense that now you're talking about how that's being perceived you know so overall it's the whole essence of your company now when somebody talks about working on their brand or rebranding it doesn't mean you have to work on everything sometimes people are happy with 90% of it and they just need to fix parts of it. So maybe they just need to work on their website, or maybe they need to work on from the logo forward, or maybe they need a full rebranding. So they, what we've found sometimes is that companies, especially in manufacturing, they've been around for a long time, 30, 40, 100, 200 years, and their company has changed. So maybe they started off making six products, but now they specialize in one. Or maybe they started off making one type of product, and now they make a whole different type of product. So their brand has to kind of evolve with their company evolving. So it's not just about making it look pretty, it's making it more so it's appropriate and that the buyers are affected by it and want to and are more likely to buy from that brand because it's more relevant and more appropriate for that buyer, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, well said. And I think you started getting into my next question here, but I'd be curious just to hear your take on, you know, it's a simple question, but why does brand matter?
2: So it matters in a lot of ways, but one of my favorite things to talk about is perception. So branding and brands impact the perception of the company and the perception of your product or the perception of your services, whatever you're selling, right? So perception could mean that you could go from looking like like one of the more common things I see in manufacturing is that companies look outdated. So when you look outdated, someone says, oh, they're not relevant anymore. They're old. You know, They're not staying with the times. I'm a new company. I'm a tech company. What do they know about me? So you're becoming irrelevant. So perception can quickly change you from being irrelevant and outdated to current and up-to-date. Now, That's a huge difference. And when you're getting outdated, it goes so slowly that you don't even realize that you're becoming outdated. And so all of a sudden you rebrand and you're like, oh my God, look at all the business we've been losing for years because we've been outdated. And that perception changes lots of stuff. So you can go from looking like a small company to a big company or vice versa. What's interesting is like everybody Most people automatically assume that you want to look bigger, you want to look more expensive, but that's not always the case. Some brands thrive on being the less expensive choice. So, or the so I'll give you some examples is like if you're selling a commodity product and you want to be a lower price, you don't necessarily want to look like a luxury high end company. You want to look more affordable. One of my favorite things to talk about is like if you look at lawyers, lawyers have a big issue with perception because a lot of people. Have a bad taste in their mouth when they think about lawyers. So, one of the things that lawyers do is they sponsor a lot of local teams and a lot of local events because they want to look like the heroes and change the perception of their brand to be more of the local hero kind of thing. So, the branding changes a lot of that perception. So, you can affect the way somebody thinks about your company, the way they value your company, the way they think about your quality. One of the things is like, If you're saying that we sell the best this product, well, your logo and your branding and your packaging, all that stuff has to reflect that same quality. If your brand and your marketing and everything is poor quality, it reflects poorly on your product because all of a sudden someone's like, Well, I'm not going to pay however many thousands of dollars for that because it looks like it's junk, you know. So you need to make sure that perception is equal to the quality that you're doing. So you can dive. Really deep into perception. There's, you know, when we do like a branding workshop, we have like a whole page of different types of perception on and saying, like, where do you want to be perceived? Do you want to be perceived as affordable or luxury? Do you want to be perceived as this or this? And it's, there's no wrong answer. It's about what's right for your company.
1: Well, we were recently talking about how, you know, you and I both come across manufacturing leaders who say things like, well, we're not a sexy business, we just fabricate metal or we build machine tools or we manufacture packaging equipment or whatever it might be, right? What's your argument for why branding is still so important to these types of B2B manufacturers that would consider themselves you know, in a boring sub-industry or a not the sexiest type of company, right?
2: Well, there's two sides of this that I want to touch on, I think, because the first thing is is that a lot of those companies can be more interesting and exciting and so-called sexy when they think they can't. So I'll give you some examples of that is like for example I had a a metal company come to me and they were like we're, you know all we do is make metal beams all the time. That's all we do. It's it's boring. We just make metal beams. I say, okay, but what do those metal beams make? And they're like, "Oh, it's really cool. Let me show you. Here's the skyscraper that metal beam made and here's the tunnel that it made and here's the you know this awesome new age thing that it made whatever and I'm like and it oh and it was also on you know a space rocket whatever right? and you're like wait a minute that's not so boring anymore right like yes when you look at it from an engineering perspective it's just specs and sizes and density and all that stuff and then when you look at it from like an end use perspective the buyer's perspective right what do they care about that buyer doesn't care about that exact metal beam like an engineer. They care about what they're going to use it for. They care about that space rocket. They care about the, you know, the tunnel or the, the building that they're going to build. So, you know, we've repositioned a lot of companies that claim to be boring as from a different perspective of what they're selling in the end buyer perspective, and it changes everything, right? We, I'll, I might use this example a couple times because I, I like it a lot is uh, we helped do a lot of work for a matcha manufacturer. Matcha is like a green tea powder that's um, becoming very popular. And they position themselves as an ingredient laboratory company, right? They had pictures of people in lab coats with metal steel tables, you know, steel bowls with a green powder in it. And it looked kind of just gross and inedible, right? It looks like a, a chemical, but then we said, okay, so what are you using this for? What's the end use? And it's being put in cafes. It's being used in culinary you know, dishes, very artisan brands. So we said, okay, let's position you that way. So we rebranded them to be much more of a culinary inspiring exploration of products. So you have all these really cool, like inventive green foods and stuff that look gorgeous in photographs. Reposition them that way. And, you know, it became much more effective because of the fact that now people, chefs, food companies, and so forth are purchasing this product saying, that's what I want to make. I want to make something cool like that, not what am I going to do with this green chemical kind of thing. So that really touches on perception and it touches on, you know, not being a sexy company to being a very sexy company of like, now, you know, they're compared to cafes and and culinary artisan brands. I mean, it's like a total 180 on that brand, you know? So I think that that's one big area of that. The other part of it is a lot of these brands become commodity brands, and some of them don't need to be commodity brands, but some of them are anyway, right? And what you need to start thinking about sometimes is what's important to that buyer. So your branding can be focused on, maybe they don't care about that, metal beam because of the fact that it's a dime a dozen, they can get it anywhere. But maybe what they care about is, is that fact that you're delivering it on time, the fact that you have good customer service, the fact that you know it's there when it, you say it's going to be there, the fact that it's durable and it's going to last the next 30 years or 100 years or whatever it is. Like You have to think about what that buyer cares about and approach the branding from that perspective. And that's a huge difference as well. So but it's also about finding what's different, right? So everybody says the same kind of thing and you have to find out what is the differentiator for your brand versus, you know, the 10 other competition companies that you're bidding against kind of thing. So, yeah. So I think that, and there's other other areas there too, but in general, it's been amazing opportunity for us because specifically with the first example is because uh, a lot of, designers, branding companies look at some of these so-called boring companies and they they just give up. They just do something boring again. And we look at it and go, they don't have to be that way. And what we found is that the company owners and the company employees say, we don't want to look boring. It's just, that's what everybody keeps giving us. When they get a brand that looks exciting and sexy, they're like, wow, that's awesome. Like we never knew we could be like this before, you know? So they're very excited about that as well.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, I'd sort of think about what, you, what you've just been talking about here, something I want to highlight is is just the idea that you need to just be thinking about who your audience is, who are the people you need to reach and influence. And the same way I'd talk about messaging or how you position yourself in words, how you communicate, who you help and how you help them and why people come to you, what problems they're trying to solve, what things they're trying to achieve. I kind of think of branding in a similar way. It's, yeah, it may be metal beams and that may sound boring to the typical person, but it's not boring to the people you're trying to reach, the people who who need that product. And so I think it's, it, it, it all needs to just come from what, you know, who are the people that you need to reach and influence? What matters to them and how do we align Everything we do, from a marketing perspective, in terms of the words we use, the way we portray our our brand visually, the content we create, the way we you know conduct our customer interactions, you know, focus on what's going to be valuable and meaningful to the people you're ultimately trying to to serve. So,
2: exactly, I totally agree.
1: Okay, let's take a quick break here. I want to let a couple of our strategists at Gorilla76 tell you about something pretty cool that we're doing right now for marketing folks in the manufacturing sector. Peyton and Brendan, take it away.
3: So I'm Peyton Warren.
1: And I'm Brendan Forrest.
3: Twice a month, we host a live event called Industrial Marketing Live.
1: Right now, we have a group of 50-plus industrial marketers from a variety of manufacturing organizations that meet up digitally to learn, ask questions, network, and get smarter.
3: Every session has a designated topic, and one of our team members at Gorilla76 opens up by teaching for the first half hour or so. Topics have included how to do a better manufacturing webinar, getting started with paid social on LinkedIn, how to optimize your website for conversions, creating amazing video content, and so much more.
1: After we break it down, we open it up to Q&A so we can help you apply all of this in your own businesses.
3: This is pure value. No cost, no strings attached, no product or service pitches, just a 100% unadulterated learning experience.
1: And on top of these live sessions, we've also opened up a Slack channel where attendees bounce ideas off each other and learn together between sessions.
3: We're building a true community of manufacturing marketing professionals here. So if you or someone at your company has the word marketing in his or her job title, please consider telling them about it. They can visit industrialmarketinglive.com to register.
1: We'd love to see you there. Paul, you and I have both been running agencies for a long time now. And really not, at least for me, until the last few years have I started to think hard about how much brand matters, not just from the standpoint of attracting and acquiring new customers, but also for the purposes of employee retention and recruiting. And so I would be curious to hear you talk about how you're thinking these days about what I would refer to as employer branding.
2: It's been a really big topic in manufacturing the last bunch of years because, well, it, it, I found it very interesting. So I've been in the manufacturing space for a long time. and. I was doing a lot of trade shows and and different events for a while, and you just kept hearing people complaining about not finding employees and complaining about the workforce, you know, and how things are shifting. And, you know, we know that there's a huge issue going on with the generational gaps and all that stuff. And I started asking questions just out of curiosity like, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? And I was shocked to find out how little manufacturers were actually doing in recruitment and in employee branding. And my background, I do a lot in manufacturing, but I also do a lot in technology. And years ago, I did a lot of work in B2E work, which is business to employer and employee work. And we did a lot of recruiting stuff. In fact, I worked with a, a technology company that was had a much more difficult time finding employees. And manufacturers probably <laughs> disagree with me on this, but Imagine this, they're a technology company that has to work for like the highest classification or um, the highest level of government that is completely classified, right? So they have to have like level 810 clearance, right? And they had the employees that had level 810 clearance. Imagine having to find employees. A technology company that had this clearance. I mean, you have like such a small bucket of people that fit that category. And so this company put all of their attention on recruiting. And we what we did is we did a lot of promotions within that for employees. They did tons of events, they did tons of promotions, they went to job fairs, they recruited against their competition. They they did everything they could to recruit because that, that was their entire thing. They had no problem getting work from the government, they had to get the right employees. So I looked at these manufacturers and I was like, have you done all these things? And they're just like, we never even knew that existed. Like we've just been doing the most basic stuff or they didn't say that, but it was clear that they were doing the most basic stuff that they thought they were doing everything they could. And so I was just like, wow, what a opportunity. Like everybody thinks that everybody wants to work for tech, right? So like you have these software companies, Facebook and everything else that people are like dying to work for and stuff. But what they don't realize is is that those technology companies, which are also our clients, do significantly more recruitment than manufacturing does. So it's not like people are just going there. They actually work for those people. They try to fight for those people and try to attract those people. And one of those things that they do, just bring it back full circle to your original question, is branding, right? So everybody's like, oh, I want to work for that cool technology company. Well, guess what? That cool technology company is much more boring than your cool manufacturing company. They just brand themselves and position themselves to be cool, right? So when you look at their brand and you see their website and you go into their cool headquarters, it looks cool, but guess what? They're just sitting at a desk doing code all day, right? You're doing like awesome machinery and making like original products that go onto spaceships or whatever else. And I'm like, that's much more cool, but your positioning and your branding is not as cool. So branding and positioning can change that perception for the employee. So not just for recruitment purposes, but also for retention purposes, because that not only can you be recruiting new people by showing a great brand and showing a great website or showing great materials and showing great trade show booth at a, not just a trade show, but at a recruitment show, like a job fair, you can have such great presence with all that stuff, but also retention because your current employees look at that stuff and go, I'm so happy that I'm working in a company that's growing into the future. I'm happy that I'm working for a company that is exciting and innovative and fresh, right? An employee that sees an old brand, if you have a brand that's 40 years old or 20, let's say 30 years old or 70 years old or 100 years old, they're like, oh my God, I got to find a new job because my company's dying and not surviving and it won't be around in the next 10 years. But if you rebrand and you stay fresh, those employees say wow i'm so happy that i'm in a company that's staying relevant and i'll have a job for a lot longer not only that but your customers not just prospects but your customers say we're happy to see that our the company that we're you know invested in that we buy from is staying up with the times and is going to be around for the next 20 years so that's a whole perspective that manufacturers miss that dives into branding and honestly like since i've been talking about this it almost has become more relevant because they're like Some of the manufacturers that we work with, they're like, we don't need more business. We need employees. I'm like, well, but your branding is impacting that probably more than getting the new business. And so it's made a big difference. And the recruitment efforts have been significantly impacted. Uh, We've had a couple of our brands now having opened multiple facilities throughout the country because of the fact that their brand has exploded. So that's been exciting to see. Yeah,
1: you packed a lot of great stuff in there. I mean, I see these parallels between conversations I've had with manufacturing leaders about digitization, bringing technology into the company, embracing Industry 4.0 technology, embracing robotics and automation in traditional manufacturing environments. A lot of parallels to the same things that matter from a branding perspective. I mean, here we are in the middle of a time when it's been harder than ever to attract especially the young workforce into manufacturing. Geez, I don't know how many conversations I've had in, in 160 episodes of this show about that topic a lot, right? And I'm sure you've had the same in your conversations and some of the, you know, the, the things that you do to facilitate panels and you know conversations with manufacturing leaders. But when somebody goes to your website and they look at the careers page and what they see, or two paragraphs of text on a white background? If they have a careers page. Yeah, if they have one at all, right? Do you think they're going to want to come work for you? Because here's the deal. I've talked to enough companies. I've walked through enough manufacturing facilities to know what amazing things go on there. I've seen phenomenal cultures at play. And you would never know that by looking at the digital footprint of this company. You have Crickets in their social media platforms when they could be telling stories of all the interesting things they're doing, the people they're helping, and where those those metal beams are going. Right, and you know, you, you maybe your customer may not need to think you're a cool and sexy brand, but you know who does is the people that you're trying to hire to do the work for you that you can't get done right now because the demand is ex- exceeding your you know ability to fulfill it and. So I, I think that like this topic is just so important. You know, think yeah. about what the brand looks like to the workforce that you need to recruit. Think about what your careers page looks like. Think about the way you're using social media platforms. Like I don't want to hear another person tell me that Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn and Facebook are not relevant to them because unless you have the exact workforce you need and and feel like you've got that for the foreseeable future, like you need to be thinking about it. I'm not tra- telling you you need to be doing everything out there, but don't dismiss, you know, the, what are probably some of your greatest opportunities to showcase who your company is and what's it all about to the people who you probably need to reach more than anybody
2: right now. Especially the all-stars, right? Like you want to get a dime a dozen person that that's going to quit or that you're going to fire or whatever. Like maybe that's not a big deal. But if you want to get the people that are, picky and like saying like, I'm, you know, that they're more the all-stars and you want somebody that is, you know, do a great job. They have choices. And if they have choices, they're going to look at these websites. They're going to look at these social media profiles. They're going to look at your brand. They're going to look at all your stuff and say, well, that company looks cool or that company looks like it's going somewhere. I'm going to have a future there, right? Versus this company that looks like it's old and, you know, like manufacturing has some reputations and some of those reputations are that it's you know a dying out thing some of it is that it you know there's no diversification and so forth you can change some of those perceptions pretty easily with social media and with branding and so forth and prove to people that it's going to be around for the next you know 100 200 years kind of thing
1: well paul before we wrap this up i wanted to call attention to the pretty extensive survey you recently conducted to shed light on job opportunities in the manufacturing sector can you talk about what this was all about and touch on a few key learnings?
2: Absolutely. First off, it was a lot of fun. We wanted to do something as a company to give back to the community of manufacturing since it's such a big part of our business and they've been so good to us. So, you know, we were thinking what could we do to help them and as we mentioned earlier in our conversation, manufacturers have had a very difficult time hiring and we thought, well, maybe there's something we can do. So, One of the things that kept coming up was the fact that manufacturers have these incredible job opportunities, and we're at a time where there's a lot of people that still need jobs. In fact, there's been big layoffs. There's people that are, you know, there's this big question of, is college worth the expense? And, you know, there's all sorts of things that are coming up now that lead to this question of, is is there a better scenario? And manufacturing offers that opportunity for people that it gives them- potentially this job, some great salaries, some great benefits that they might not even have to go to college to get. And it might be simpler, or they might be able to have a more interesting job than just sitting at a desk, or they can change their career path and try something new. And so we wanted to bring awareness to these opportunities. So what we wanted to start with was we uh, surveyed manufacturers and our questions were, you know, Anything from like what opportunities exist, how many opportunities exist, and what are the benefits and stuff like that. So we dove deep into it. And what was super exciting was to see the outpour of support we got within the manufacturing community. We connected with lots of influencers, publications, associations, and everybody wanted to help support it because they love the idea of the initiative. So we had a great outreach. Manufacturers took the survey. And then what we did is we compiled those data points into an infographic, which is just a fancy, fun way of presenting the data. And we positioned the whole infographic and the press release and so forth to the job seeker, not to the manufacturer, right? So we wanted to basically say to all of these job seekers, look at this incredible opportunity that's in manufacturing that you might not have even been aware of. So you know, some statistics were super exciting. 93% of manufacturers are reporting growth right now. 91% of manufacturers have job openings. I mean, these are huge numbers, right? 80% of manufacturers require a high school diploma or less, which is like, I mean, what career has that kind of number? 68% of manufacturers are willing to train. But Some of the salaries were wild. A lot of them were standard, but you know, we saw 31% of manufacturers reporting a salary of over $46,000 a year. Some of them reported starting salaries. This is for entry-level positions, by the way. Starting salaries, some of them reported as high as 100000 I mean, we were just blown away by some of this stuff. And then, you know, just the amount of benefits or the amount of things that they've done to help retain employees was incredible too. So it just showed, it, the funny thing was, is the the manufacturers already knew this stuff. So they weren't surprised at all by it. But there's no doubt that the job seekers don't know this exists. So our job was to try and bring some awareness to that. And I, and I hope it did. I hope the right people saw it, but we certainly got it out as much as we could. It ended up... uh what did we see? You know, I forget it was like almost 150 publications picked it up and ran with it. And uh, we had all sorts of great feedback and and different people uh, sharing the infographic. So we're hoping it just kind of spreads and snowballs into getting the manufacturers the attention they need on some of these opportunities.
1: Well, I love that you did that. Where can um, anybody listening out find that infographic if they're
2: curious to look at the results? The first thing I would say is on our website, aviatecreative.com, we have a blog post about it so you can read about it and you can get the infographic that way. All of our social media platforms, we posted it so you can find it on any of those. And then if anybody's curious about any of the information, they can reach out to me as well.
1: Well, Paul, great conversation today. I really enjoyed doing this. Can you tell our audience how they can get in touch with you and where they can learn more about your agency, Aviate Creative?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, by the way. This has been a lot of fun, and uh, I've been looking forward to working with you, and it's been great. So to get in touch with us, Aviate Creative, it's spelled kind of like -er, aviator, aviate, and so it's aviatecreative.com. You can find us anywhere on social media, all the different platforms. Just look up Aviate Creative, and we'll come right up, and uh, they can contact us through uh, the forum online, or uh, hello at aviatecreative.com would get right to me as well.
1: Awesome. Well, please go check out what Paul's doing. His company, Aviate, is is doing some really great branding work and specifically here in the manufacturing sector. So if it's something you feel like is on the horizon for your business, or it sounds like if you want to have a conversation about it, uh, Paul and his team are are the ones to talk to. So Paul, thanks for doing this today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, you know, if, if anybody's interested, we have different types of papers on our website and stuff. And one of them right now is, uh, what it takes to make a wow logo. So it's just a little informative piece on, you know, things that you can do to, to strengthen your brand and to improve on your logo and so forth.
1: Well, thank you, Paul. And as for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of the manufacturing executive.
0: You've been listening to the manufacturing executive podcast to ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player.